Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. I'm here with uh, Pastor Daniel Bennett and Pastor Art Georges, and we have been discussing in Revive the Drive various doctrines and issues related to the Christian life and faith. And this series that we're going to be doing uh, today is a series on the subject of homosexuality. It's a subject that is very much of a hot topic. We hardly a week goes by without having some aspect of this particular sin to uh, raise in the newspapers or or in the news media. And so, uh, Daniel and Art, welcome. Um, tell us, why do you think we should have a series just set aside to discussing how Christians can think and uh, respond to this particular issue of homosexuality? Well, I think there's there's several reasons, and and one reason, as you've already alluded to, is it's a a growing issue in our culture. And if if you were to sit down with me and say, okay, what what eighteen things would you like to talk about today? This might not be one of the ones I would pick to talk, to talk right. about. It's not just a subject yep. that I think I, I find a lot of joy in, in discussing. And sometimes I feel like the church is talking about this all the time. But I think the reason we have to talk about it is because our culture is talking about it. You think about the the, the uh, Christians in the, the early church and how some of the issues they were forced to confront because they were living in a culture that, that was dealing with those issues. And so uh, I think we're forced as, as believers to, to confront uh, an issue that's in our culture, and people are looking to the church to articulate what we believe about this issue. They're demanding that we give a, an answer for, for what we believe to be true about sexuality and, and how a person is to... Uh, to to live their lives, and so I think that's that's one reason that we need to to have a series on this is to kind of give a a positive statement of of what we believe as a church about God's plan for us as as sexual beings. Well, and even um, secular columnists and journalists are acknowledging exactly what you said regarding the church. Uh, one journalist, Brendan O'Neill, he he, he wrote, wrote, "Opponents of gay marriage are now treated by the press." as strange, depraved creatures whose repenting and surrender to mainstream values we await with bated breath. Mm. And, uh, you know, even they, an, an atheist libertarian columnist, recognizes how Christians are being treated by the press and by the media in general. I think also uh, we have to recognize that uh, homosexuality is becoming at least more visible, if not more prevalent within our society. I think they're is a trend of a growing sense of confusion sexually, and that calls the church to uh, speak to the issue all the more. That's right. Um, you know, I think it's important to observe some reasons why we are not having what we are. Some reasons that we're not uh, motivating us to have a session like that. It's not because we're frustrated with the world and mm-hmm. we're angry against it and and we want to vent some of that frustration um, to the Revive the Drive audience, um, we recognize that we're very much part of a sinful world, um, that we ourselves are, are not speaking 
about a sinful world as though we are above it and beyond it. We're, we're, we're in it, and by God's grace, we're deemed in the midst of sin, but, but uh, we're very much a part of, of the, those creatures who are, who are enslaved to sin apart from, apart from the rescue of Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, the, the, the purpose is truly to first honor God um, regarding an issue that, that, as you mentioned, are many people, both believers and unbelievers, are very confused about, and, and they're they're asking all sorts of questions that that the Scripture and God has given answers to, um, but also out of love for for uh, other people um, that that God would would have us to share the gospel with every sinner and sinners of every stripe, and so. So maybe we should just talk a bit about how the gospel intersects with this issue of homosexuality as we begin our series on this. Yeah, I think, first of all, we recognize that uh, homosexuality is not uh, a singular or the only sin that will be condemnable, and we're not saying that all sin is condemnable. Uh, But as the church and as leaders of the church, we want to make sure that we're doing our responsibility, our God-given responsibility of proclaiming uh, sin and God's remedy for that sin in the gospel. And so uh, if we were not to point out uh, things that the Bible clearly says is sinful, that the culture around us is denying, then we are forfeiting our responsibility to call people to, uh, to turn away from that sin and to embrace Christ, the remedy for all sin, not just the sin of homosexuality, not just the sin of uh, stealing and lying and uh, denying God, but all sin. Yeah, the gospel forces us to to understand that we are sinners, and um, a person may have attitudes about uh, sexuality that they aren't even aware are sinful. So, for example, in a in a marital relationship, um, a, a husband may not understand his responsibility to to serve his wife or. Uh, a couple may not understand one of the principles from 1 Corinthians 7 that, that physical intimacy is to be a, a regular uh, occurrence in a marriage. And so there are all sorts of attitudes about sexuality that people may have or, or thoughts or opinions that are sinful and, and not be aware of it. And so I think that, uh, that, that confronting a, a person with what Scripture says about this area of our lives uh, points a person to their, their need for forgiveness. All of us are, are guilty of, of, of sin. Talking about this may force some to say, you know what, I, I do need God's forgiveness in this area, and and they can take hope in the fact that the gospel is a free gift offered to all. Yeah, and it's really impossible to share the gospel, the good news that God has for us, apart from the bad news about sin, mm-hmm. and not just sin in general, but sin in specific. That mm-hmm. God in His Word, He He doesn't uh, allow us to sort of generally repent of sin as sort of this mm-hmm. mushy. Um, cloudy understanding that somehow we've not done right, but he names very specifically sins that uh, necessarily bring about uh, death uh, as wages, as 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 what we deserve, condemnation, and uh, it's it's the gospel then that comes alongside this recognition of sin for all of its rebellion against God, its rejection of God and His sovereignty, and of His divine law upon our lives that uh, pushes and moves a person then toward the ultimate solution. Because unless a person recognizes that they have this need for salvation, they're not going to be looking for a Savior. 
You know, maybe uh, there's a couple of facets to the gospel that we could start with, very important facets that we must include as we think through the gospel. The the first one probably is the fact that uh, God is the creator of all things, and specifically God is the creator of men. And if that be the case, then that means that man as a created being is under God's authority. And so it is not up to man to determine how he will live and how he will practice his life. Uh, he needs to go to God and find out what his purpose is and, and how to live out that purpose. And that includes the area of sexual practices within um, how God has called us to practice sexuality amongst uh, in our life. And so uh, the reason that uh, um, the gospel is so important, we start with God because we have to see that Man is in rebellion against God. Uh, that is what happened in the fall, and that happens throughout life, but specifically in this case in homosexuality uh, with the practice of sexuality. So how would you guys say, uh, if, if, the, if, that's our, if those are some of our purposes for our time together in, in this series to talk about how to honor God, uh, to confront people with, with the good news, the gospel— uh, to help believers rightly understand uh, how to view sexuality and specifically homosexuality. H- how well do you think the church is doing right now in relating to people who would identify themselves as homosexuals? Where, where are we doing well? Where are we doing poorly? And it's kind of a big question. There's a spectrum there. But what, what would you say to that? Yeah, well, well first, I, I like how you use the phrase, confront people with the good news. You know, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because usually you don't think of good news as something you have to confront people with. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if uh, for instance, um, I just purchased a brand new car for you, and I was excited to tell you the good news that I purchased you a car, I wouldn't think of myself as confronting you with the good news of this car purchase. I wouldn't relate that story with, hey, Rich confronted me with a new car today. (laughs) Right. And yet the gospel is confrontational to our flesh. There's an enemy within that loves sin, loves rebellion, and the gospel confronts us. And that's why the gospel – one of the reasons why the gospel is so offensive um, uh, why why Paul uh, mentioned that, that the cross is – and it's a stumbling block. And he said, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, the idea is that we, we may be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. Because and, the gospel calls everyone to turn away from their rebellion and to uh, submit and therefore enjoy God. That's right. And, and he says, I'm not ashamed because it is the power of God for salvation. It's because I care about people. So how are we as a church doing? Well, I think two ways. First, I don't think we are being bold enough with the gospel. Um, I, I, I think that generally we're, we're shy about proclaiming the fullness of this good news message. So we may proclaim part of it and, and think that we're proclaiming all of it. So in, for instance, we can proclaim, well, Jesus loves you. And if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. And we think that's the gospel. Well, it is the gospel, and yet it's not. It's not the fullness. And if a person doesn't come to understand the righteousness of God and the judgment that awaits all those who do not repent, uh, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, how he bore our sins in his body upon the tree, became a curse for us, what great love and what great cost was required in order to free us, and how we must repent of sin 
and believe that we must desire the new life that God offers us. Not just desire freedom from hell, but desire the new life that God offers us. Then we're really not preaching the gospel. Um, and I think the other aspect of the church is that there are some in the church, and this is where we, we need to um, encourage our own in the church that respond, I would say, maybe harshly to those who are struggling with the sin, who are enslaved with the sin, uh, who respond even self-righteously. I don't know if you see that at all um, in your, in your um, context. I do. I think people um, struggle with articulating how and why people should turn away from sexual sin, and so therefore uh, they simply get angry, and uh, they, they uh, I, I think they struggle in articulating a grace-filled message to those who need that grace so badly. I always say, uh, you know, when you start with God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, it will conflict with the natural man's love for himself and a plan that he or she has for their own life. And there's going to be a, a weighing of interest and generally, uh, well, always for the fallen man, it's uh, his or her own interests are going to win out over God's without God's saving grace. Right. It's not, this isn't a, a political discussion or debate to be won. Um, our, our motivation in talking to people about this issue of homosexuality as representatives of, of Christ's church isn't designed to force the people force people to concede. Well, I guess I was wrong about what the Bible said, or okay, fine, this is this condemned scripture. But we're motivated by uh, our love for God, of course, uh, first and foremost. But our desire to see people who are um, like ourselves struggling to, to live as God would have us. Uh, we want to see people experience joy, and we know that the homosexual lifestyle isn't a lifestyle that's ultimately going to br- to bring joy. Uh, there's an organization in uh, Phoenix, uh, I think it's called uh, PFLAG Phoenix. It's a, a pro-homosexual group, and, and uh, they, they would say that uh, suicide is the leading cause of death among young people who identify as homosexuals. Mm. They're more likely to attempt suicide, more likely to abuse drugs, and, and all sorts of things that go that are, that are part of that lifestyle. Now, that, I'm not arguing that homosexuality causes teens to commit suicide, but the point is that the, the, the lifestyle of homosexuality doesn't uh, isn't accompanied by the the happiness that it promises, and I think that's an important thing for us to yeah. to uh, to consider and to encourage people that's with. Good. And good. you know, along with that, uh, the great lie of the world is that if we would all just embrace and celebrate homosexuality, then it would lead to right. the gay or happy lifestyle that that is uh, is promised. Uh, but that is just a huge deception, and that's what the gospel helps us to see, that that is a huge deception, that sin never leads to the good life, mm-hmm. that sin brings a pleasure, and, and there is pleasure behind almost every sin. That's why sins are tempting. Uh, and yet, instead of giving us a wholeness of joy and a fullness of of peace, it robs us of the very thing that we're searching for. for. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so, so all the more reason for us to recognize that what those what those people who are struggling with this particular sin need is they need the grace of God transforming their heart and bringing about true joy and true life, and so that they might glorify God uh, in the way that He fashioned them in His image. Mm. 
You mentioned that uh, many within the church struggle to articulate a grace-filled message and do it uh, rather harshly, and that's part of the reason that we would have sessions on uh, the issue of homosexuality. But also, uh, we have to recognize that uh, the world is harshly uh, reacting to the church's message and uh, mm-hmm. the scripture's message, uh, and so we want to equip the believer with how to uh, understand and and explain what the Bible has to say about the sin of homosexuality so that they can call others from that and, and stand firm and not be confused because it's very difficult when you know you have a hard message to yeah. proclaim to a world that doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, when, when uh, we talk about uh, a believer being harsh toward those who are struggling with the sin of homosexuality, what, what kind of forms are, are you guys thinking of that, that might be present? Um, and often it comes, becomes present when we're cloistered together you know, and we're not with the world or we're not with those who are struggling with the sin. But nonetheless, it, it does not foster a healthy, right heart toward God or toward um, those who need him. One way it would be harsh to talk to someone struggling with this sexual sin would be to tell them about the judgment that is upon them without the remedy to help them away yeah. from it. I think also distorting what uh, what they believe or what they're arguing or what they're trying to articulate and not listening. I think sometimes you know, one of my one of my phrases is you know anything you can put on a Facebook post and that sort of length is is probably wrong. You know, and so whenever you put up like a, a little picture that hmm. that has some sort of uh, attacking uh, attacking phrase on it, you know, like I, I can't even think of them right now. But could some, you hold that and say that again? Because I'm, I'm you're, typing you're, on you're Facebook. Typing, yeah, I'm putting Facebook. this down. Anything? <laughs> what do you say? Anything you can put on a Facebook post is probably what again? <laughs> wrong, including wrong. this. Yeah. <laughs> So any sort of this, uh, uh, a, an argument that you're trying to distort another person's position by by putting up you know sna- you know snappy little sayings is is usually not a very loving uh, uh, warm way to 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 uh, discuss a very sensitive issue with a person. Yeah. It creates a caricature rather than a, a true representation yeah. of, of right. that person or um, again a, a group of people who may be struggling with a particular sin right. I, I think too um, you know again when we're gathered together as believers oftentimes I I hear um, people having more freedom to for instance tell jokes or mm. say things that are real harsh because after all we all agree that this is a right. sin so it's okay for us to you know ridicule mm. or to speak in an evil fashion and and first again that just does not bring glory to God but also um, I know that it is injured, particularly young people who hear older Christians talk that way mm. when they're separate and cloistered, and they say, well, that's not what I want to be part of because it seems so mean. It seems so harsh. And it, and oftentimes, frankly, it is harsh. And so we don't want to give the enemy, Satan, more fodder to, to work in the hearts of young people in particular mm-hmm. by, by being careless with our words. Yeah, that's good. So an exciting series, and some of the things we'll be talking about, we'll be looking at, at Scripture, and, and I know a lot of people would, would argue, and a lot of young, you mentioned young people, Rich, but as, as people are kind of being exposed to, to different scholarship, they're saying, well, I'm not sure that Scripture actually really does condemn homosexuality. The traditional interpretation is being challenged. There's challenges for us as 
uh, parts of, of a church and how we respond to homosexuality. There's challenges as we relate to people at work and the world and schools and poli- mm-hmm. the political environment. So there's yep. a lot of things to talk about in this series. Well, and, and this has been a good beginning. Thank you very much, and thank you uh, for listening in to Revive the Drive uh, this session. Uh, the next session, we will be digging into what does the Bible say regarding homosexuality? Is homosexuality really a sin? And so join us for this next session as well. God bless you.